not that I was following the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case or anything like that, but I just found out that Johnny Depp has a brother that's an author named Daniel Depp. And, um, um, <laughs> he don't look a damn thing like Johnny Depp, which is interesting. He's certainly not as handsome. <laughs> He's I mean, not even in the ballpark. He's definitely not the sibling known for his beautiful locks of hair. <laughs> well, what's funny is, you know, you, you got some brothers that are like, you know, one's like a slightly like less attractive or less notable version of the older, more famous brother or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't even that case. This is like worlds apart. <laughs> I mean, if. It should tell you a lot about him that he wears um, like a black blazer over a black turtleneck sweater like that. Look, is like I write subpar detective novels that have weird sex scenes in them. <laughs> like yeah, I'm like uh, sus Dennis Lehane. <laughs> Thought that sus. Uh, what's his name? Daniel Depp. Yeah. Born in Kentucky. That, that just must. That just must be a hard sort of thing to follow. You know. He kind of looks like him. I don't know. Maybe he's a good. I don't. I. I shouldn't fucking dog on him. Maybe he's a good writer. I mean, I'm not a good writer, so I have no re- reason. I have no room to. Talk. Now you fishing? Yeah, no, I know. Showered <laughs> on me. You're a great, you're a great writer. <laughs> what are you talking about? Get down, cat. Damn. I was at a show the other night, like a couple weekends ago, here at Summit, and I came out the back. You know, there's a set of steps stairs that go down to the behind the library and i came out to get some fresh air and i went down there and there were like these three kids underneath the deck down there like passing a j like they they could not have been older than 21 if they were i don't know at a certain age you just lose the ability to discern you know what i'm saying but they were very young they're kids right and they were passing the j and all i heard was one of them go uh he said, man, I love to rub their bellies, but they fuck me up. And the other one goes, man, I always rub their bellies. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking, the about, they talking about they're talking about cats. Very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the most wholesome thing I'd ever heard. Like, dude, I always yeah. rub their bellies. <laughs> Three kids that are getting stoned talking about the perils of scratching a cat's belly. <laughs> it's like, I don't Sometimes give they're receptive. Other times they'll fuck you <laughs> up. That's pretty good. <laughs> God well, damn, man. I think the kids are going to be all right if they're talking about scratching cat's bellies. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you, you've seen that kid that Where's the boombox on his back that jumped off the bridge? Yeah, I see him all the time. Show his love. Yeah, I see him all the time. See you up to. Uh, 
just hanging out. I mean, I don't want to dox him, but let's just say he hangs out around a certain arcade with a certain political inclination. That's not good. Yeah, no. falling into a, t- a wrong, the wrong crowd. <laughs> <clears throat> it is the wrong crowd, man. They are uh, they're overplaying their hand a little bit. (laughs) This whole fucking town's the wrong crowd, though. I mean, like the fucking. The fact that every light post downtown right now has a flag hanging from it. That's one half United States American flag and the other half is Ukrainian flag. (laughs) Every fucking (laughs) the mayor. What do you mean? You don't even have to ask who you already know. No, 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 no. I know who. I know who. But here's what I'm Here's my deal, okay? Here's my thing with all that. You know how everybody has been bemoaning these divided and isolating, polarizing political times, blah, 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 blah. It should send off not just flares and warning signs, but like a big, like, slappy jackass hand should come out of nowhere and hit you in the head <laughs> when, like... This shit has got bipartisan support. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's fucking crazy, dude. I will say it's it's really insane. Like as you pointed out yesterday, like just as recently as 15, 20 years ago, like these same people, if you had put like a half US flag and like a half any other flag, like they would have absolutely lost their shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, 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 it's a weird thing that's happening because I got a friend that's like a famous TikToker and like slowly all of his posts have been about have become about like the about Ukraine Ukraine situation. You know? Yeah. Like in the, you know, in sort of the lib direction. And it's like, I'm like, <laughs> why? How, how did that come to be? You know what I mean? Like he was making videos about like being a house husband, you know, not long ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very interesting because I feel like every six to nine months, there is like another round on Twitter because, you know, people have nothing better to do than to just, you know, rehash the same arguments over and over again for years. But like there was this argument going around like a few months ago that was like this propaganda work. Like, are people brainwashed? Does propaganda even work? And it's like, no, (laughs) definitely not, dude. Definitely not. I mean, I think what happened. I think what happened in my friend's case is I think that like the algorithm must have rewarded him for like keying in on that. Yeah, I don't think that's an accident, although TikTok is, I think. Chinese own maybe, or at least they were flirting with the idea of buying it at one point. I can't. You're remember. right. The algorithm. So maybe, is- maybe that, maybe that, that hypothesis falls apart. But still, maybe it's. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's like, oh, you should make more if you want these to go viral. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it's really crazy when you see stuff like that, or or like the thing you sent me, which is in the on the front page of today's paper about how like the town next to us is holding a a prayer rally for ukraine and it's like it's crazy because like 
I'm I was thinking about like the very first thing that comes to my mind when I say like pray for Ukraine is like I think about pray for Paris. You remember that? Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't remember if that was like the Charlie Hebdo shootings or when the Notre Dame burned down <laughs> or the bot, the Balakon, the Balakon, when the nightclub got shot up. Yeah, I thought that was in Florida or wait, I'm sure. No, never mind. No, that happened too. <laughs> Both of these are true. <laughs> uh, but it, it's like the the pray for Paris thing. It like hung around for like two weeks. I mean, it was like it was kind of in and out. But like pray for Ukraine. Like we, we're, we're going on month two of that. It's just interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it shows no signs of slowing down. And it's it's interesting, you know, with uh, the Burdine, Kentucky uh, First Church of God or good whatever it was that was doing the prayer vigil for Ukraine. It's like everybody out there should just know that Easter Kentucky is not a hotbed for Russian and Ukrainian uh, <laughs> people of U- Russian and Ukrainian lineage. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's it is kind of an example of how people get a series of ideas implanted into them at a young age. And then like over time that creates like a kind of like associative web or sort of like web of associative, like other terms and ideas. And like, they can just be like activated kind of like at a moment's notice. It's kind of like how the dare, uh, like the dare uh, cops always used to tell you that if you, take a hit of lsd you could trip like 30 years later (laughs) but like the real version of that yeah it's kind of crazy it's like may like i think for me the thing that convinces me that like maybe we don't have free will and that maybe even it is possible for some humans to control other humans beyond their will it's like every time you see a war get kicked up, it's like you immediately see people just latch on to things that like they didn't give a shit about even two or three weeks before that. You know what I mean? But like do so in such a passionate and defensive way. And it's like, OK, it's like a, it's like, where did the fuck did this come from? Like, B, why do you care? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. It's kind of the, like the first thing. The first thing we're programmed to do is to is to have a position on everything. I don't feel like that was even true twenty years ago. Let's take it back to like high school, middle school, like post, like right around nine eleven. I don't feel like that. That was a time when people would punt on subjects. Nobody punts on the subject anymore. <laughs> it's kind kind of kind of one of the problems of podcast, <laughs> but. But really, you know what I mean? It's like the, the, the first way this is successful is we all have to have a position on things that we don't really know a whole lot about with minimal information. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that you're entitled. Everybody says you're entitled to your opinion. Of course, you're entitled to your opinion. But uh, a lot of times those opinions are fashioned, just kind of seated the pants and I'm present and company included. I'm indicting myself in that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does make you wonder, like, what it is about this that is so resonant. Like, why? Like, when I go into the gym, obviously, they got Fox News and Newsmax and everything playing. And they cover Ukraine 24-7. And obviously, like, their line is that, like, Biden's not doing enough. 
But yeah, you're right. Like, as you pointed out earlier, there is like a pretty strong consensus on this, which is pretty terrifying. But like, what about this conflict signals something like existential that like, well, 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 you said it just here's the creepy part about it. You said it this morning when you're texting me. We couldn't even get a consensus on the goddamn coronavirus. It was killing people left and right in 2020. And this right. continues to, I mean, slower, but you know, uh-huh. but they, but they found consensus on this. I kind of wonder if honestly, <laughs> it could just be like this simple, like world history is obviously never this simple. But I did say this to you a couple of weeks ago and I was like, glad, good. I'm glad we didn't put that on a podcast because that sounds absurd. But, you know, why not? Um, it kind of makes me wonder if like Putin, like, OK, if you ask the question, like, why is this still hanging around? Like, why is it still so resonant with people? Like, why are why is every light post in downtown Whitesburg? <laughs> Well, you know, my neighbor that bangs the gong yeah. every morning for the victims of coronavirus, he doesn't bang the gong anymore, but he's he's flying a Ukrainian flag with that little insignia that looks uh, just a little too fast for comfort. I'm dude, it's tr- it's like the one thing like when's the last thing that libs and conservatives had any kind of common ground like this on even though they don't really have common ground because like the libs think they do that's the fucking idiots they're like we well, I mean, that's the problem. Well, <laughs> yeah like that like that's why they're all too happy to jump into it's like got they're so house trained by the republicans they're like finally something we can see out <laughs> <laughs> and like okay so okay it could be possible that the national security state interprets this as well, what it really is, which is like a blatant fuck you to America by like a major global superpower, something that hasn't happened in a really long time, not in this way. And so it's like, then that begs the question, like, don't you think Putin would have known that it would have been received that way? Like, yeah, I think he probably would have like the mainstream narrative on him is that like he totally miscalculated. He blah, blah, blah. I'm not trying to like attribute any kind of shrewdness to this guy. I don't know anything about him. I'm just saying, like, I don't know anything about him. You you probably don't get what to I lead will a, say you probably don't get to lead a massively yeah. complex state like his in the 21st century for over 20 years. If you don't have some sort of and have spent your career as a KGB spy for a long time before that. <laughs> right, right. So it's like, I think he's got some level of, you know, acumen when it comes to this. And so it's like, is it possible that he like looked at how like COVID basically just domed America, just fucking <laughs> walked us into the room, like fucking, uh, uh, What's his name? Joe Pesci on Goodfellas and just domed us like, could he just be looking oh. like, like worse than any other country? You know what I mean? Like had a higher rate of death than any other country and just was just like, yeah, they're not shit anymore. Like they're not going to do shit. Yeah. <laughs> they can't get well, it. Like ta- it's like a, it's like a table with three legs. You know, you just got to lean on it now to get to fall over. <laughs> so. Because it's like. Okay, then that that might be a miscalculation on Putin's part, because like, obviously, America is not finished. Like, obviously, it's like we're still a ways off, but we're getting there (laughs) a little quicker than we probably want to acknowledge, too. 
Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I, so it's like, I guess the kind of like media, I mean, because like I went to the New York Times page this morning and I was genuinely shocked that they had the subway shooting above the Ukraine stuff. Like, not not very much above. They just had one tiny little headline story and then it's like, Ukraine, 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 Ukraine. <laughs> like, I... I check it every morning. I, I like I don't have anything else to do in the morning. So I usually sit there with my coffee. I go to the New York Times. I go to the Financial Times. I go to like Washington Post and shit. It's like, yeah, New York Times more than any other. It's just like Ukraine, 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 Ukraine. <laughs> That's all you're giving. Oh, man. So it's like, I guess they what interpret it to be the pretty big shot across the bow, I guess, in terms yeah. of like American hegemony. And I don't know. What did you? What was your take on that shooting in New York? I I heard something interesting this morning about it. This, you know, and I don't want again, not one of the places you want to play fast and loose because obviously it's awful. You know, people getting shot and all that stuff. But like, I heard people talking about like Eric Adams's like sort of agenda, where it's like, not saying that he like orchestrated the shooting or anything like that. I'm not gonna go there with it. But like, you know, like, he, you know, he's been going around like New York and like, like moving all these homeless encampments, just taking people's shit and just like leaving them out there. Then when people ask you, what are you going to do? It's like, well, we're going to find a place for them. And, well, where where's that going to be at? And he just doesn't have an answer for it because there's not going to be a fucking place for them. They just don't want them to have like homeless encampments in New York. But it's like there's some people that think there could be some foul play in that situation because of how they're trying to ramp up this idea that like, Oh, we're not safe. So they have a, a, an excuse to keep accelerating the police state to the degree that they even need an excuse. I mean, they can just kind of do what they want right now, but right. Cause like, didn't a shooter turn out like to be a, like a black nationalist. Wasn't that what it was? I was like, I saw 62 year old black guy. <laughs> I saw leaf leaf on first. Do you, do you hear that noise? It's totally my fault. Sorry. Anyways, oh, they had that little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It. Anyways, I saw like a Lee Fong thing today that was like, we need to talk about how black nationalism is a bigger problem. <laughs> it's just like, man, still doing it, huh? Still up to it. That's that's cool. I guess yeah. that's cool. I'm I'm gonna like stuff like that. Like, it's it's like working in the burn pits in Afghanistan for like five or six years and watching like your friends slowly, like, like get mutant, like gross on their arms and faces and stuff from all the carcinogenic chemicals that are burned in the air. And you're just like, like when I see stuff like the, like Lee Fong and them talk about stuff like this, I'm like, dude, I, <laughs> it might be time they to get found out of this. They've completed their transformation. <laughs> no, I mean like it might be time That's to get out of creepy this metamorphosis. Right, like this is not good. <laughs> I'm just saying, like we're peers, and like you look at the guy next to you, you're like, oh my god, like this is what the internet has done to you. <laughs> like this is fucking bad. You're grotesque. <laughs> you become grotesque. It has claimed a lot of those intercept guys. It is true. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, because yeah. like they when they started that website, they were like, we're fucking doing it. We're fucking doing it. We're streaking truth to power. We've got the fucking Snowden docs. We've got the eBay money. We're fucking burning this motherfucker down. And then people were like, all right, <laughs> this is and cool. Then a few, like, then, <laughs> then, a, then a few years later, it's just they're just racist. <laughs> 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 Like they, I mean, like, I think they really had bought into this ideology that like a strong and powerful challenging press would because like that was the thing in the Obama years, like no one challenges Obama on anything like and he's persecuting whistleblowers and all this. It's like they failed to I mean, like not to mention the fact that like they didn't even protect that one whistleblower like reality winner or whatever. Remember, like they like fucked her whole thing up like uh she like blew the whistle to them and they like didn't protect her. And so now she's like in fucking prison and stuff. And then like they didn't enact any social change, obviously. So it's like, I think so. It's like, I think it just like poisoned their brains. Like, I just don't think they were able to really pull out of that, like, sort of like nose spin. Like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, anyways, just my personal armchair psychological reading of the inner <laughs> of Lily Fong growing limbs. <laughs> what was this? There's a little bit of a delay. Do you notice there's a little bit of delay? Yeah, yeah there is. I can kind of hear myself like a few seconds after I talk. Yeah, same. The Brooklyn shooter suspect has a long history of black identity extremism, like lots of mass shooters. Like like lots of yeah, yeah. like uh, <laughs> I couldn't name you a black mass shooter until <laughs> this guy. And it's just alleged, we should say. Well, there was the dude in Dallas in like 2016, and the only way that I remember I guess that Dorner, yeah, there was Christopher. Was that Christopher Dorner? No, I thought Christopher Dorner was the California guy. There was this dude, that one was fishy as fuck the one in dallas in 2016 the one in dallas yeah because and i'll always for i'll always remember that one to the day i die i will never forget that one because that same night someone in town put a black lives matter sign in the window we were walking home not knowing about that shooting yeah like they did not know about this it was like the one (laughs) night the one night (laughs) the worst night you could have picked to have done that like yeah, and yeah, that's why the, the town. The, yeah. That's why the town flipped out. If they, if if they would have done that a week before, or maybe like two weeks after, nobody would have cared. like right on the hills of that. And then the other, the only other one I can think of is Lee Boyd Malvo. But that's like that's like a different class, I think. Totally, totally. Well, the Dallas that's a one though, or Ted Kaczynski vibes. Well, the Dallas one, though, too, was pretty fucking weird. If I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, they like had they they had cornered him in like in a parking garage and like a robot went in there and assassinated him. You remember that? Like they never showed the body. It was kind uh, of like yeah, a bin Laden like shot. Yeah. Not that they would show the body, but like. Two. Um, Micah Xavier Johnson ambushed a group of police officers in Dallas, Texas, shooting and killing five officers and injuring nine others. 
Two civilians were also wounded. Johnson was an Army Reserve Afghan war veteran and was angry over police shootings of black men. Like it has just all of the fucking stamps, you know, all of the markings of like a kind of a false flag. I mean, come on. This was in the summer of 2016. Like this was at the height and like moments of Uh, right after Ferguson and all that stuff. Yeah. Like and also in the lead up in the lead up to the election to that year. Yeah, all this stuff. I I had a (laughs) had a friend in New York call me after the shooting happened in Brooklyn and was like, uh, this person I'm an acquaintance with has been posting all these things online about, uh, you know, some anti-Semitic stuff, some racist stuff, different, but just these screeds, you know, they're like, like, uh, do you think that something that we should notify authorities about? I was like, well, but the thing about that, my first, but my first knee jerk instinct about that stuff is like, one, there's a blue million guys like that now. <laughs> so, right. You know, everyone's doing screeds and, now. <laughs> everybody's doing screeds now, you know, particularly right wing people. And then the other part about it is, is who are you going to call the FBI? They probably had something to do with this. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that reminds me of the Lee Fong tweet. The Brooklyn shooter suspect has a long history of black identity extremism, like lots of mass shooters. I love that sentence because it's like. Like, aren't I mean, I don't know. It's just it's like lots of mass shooters. It's a pretty vague statement it's like but many leftists what he's, what he's trying to say what he's trying to say is like black nationalist uh views are no different from white nationalist views and it's fucking stupid <laughs> dude you're right that is literally exactly what he's saying but many leftists simultaneously argue that this ideology doesn't exist and fbi should ignore it and if it does exist police are powerless to stop it <laughs> Wait, so, okay. So leftists simultaneously argued that black nationalism doesn't exist and that the FBI should ignore it. Wait, so if it doesn't exist, how can the FBI ignore it? Well, you know, it's like, and if it does exist, police are powerless to stop it. What is wrong with black nationalism? There's literally nothing wrong with black nationalism. I don't I don't think it's like good. No. To, I don't think it's good to mow people down like in a, in a mass shooting. But like as an ideology, like, I mean, <laughs> well, it's a strong position, right? Because you have because even the mythologies are rooted, you know, in like <laughs> things with a strong body of evidence, <laughs> right. i.e. white people being irredeemable and so forth. <laughs> yeah i don't know i well I, that's all i know about the brooklyn shooting i don't i mean i don't know anything else about it i did see this in the new york times true crime obsessed the true the true crime obsessed philanthropist paying to catch killers when the police can't afford to solve cold cases using dna databases deep pocketed donors can <laughs> Uh, <laughs> can't afford. Dude, did you see the thing this morning about the bomb detection device 
company out of England that was hosing like the Iraqi government and all these other governments. Like no. they basically showed them like sold them like a fake device that was supposed to like detect all kinds of bombs. And it was like based on a toy patent and it did not detect <laughs> bombs. And like a lot of people died because of it. That's what, that's what I always think of when, when we always say like these rich guy solutions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's, there's just no efficacy to it. Elon Musk wanted to do some weird convoluted rescue of those like Thai people that were stuck in the cave. Uh-huh. It's like know. one of those robots. It rolls in there and it's got a dowsing rod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh this article is ridiculous, dude. Last January, Carla Davis was on LinkedIn when she saw an intriguing post. Identity identify the victim of 1978 Tennessee murder. Ever since the man's re- burned remains were found on a campground outside Nashville, the authorities had been trying to figure out who he was and who had killed him. After 42 years with no leads, the local sheriff's office wanted to try a relatively new technique pioneered in the Golden State Killer case. Um, the local sheriff couldn't afford it, though, so a genetics lab called Othram was panhandling on the Internet. Othram's oh. founder and chief executive, David Middleman, a metaphor-loving geneticist, compares the forensic comp- money request to Kickstarter. Instead of a product, you're getting justice for a family. We're crowdfunding for justice. <clears throat> that phrase has traditionally meant funding bail or legal bills for the accused, but Othram was seeking $5,000 to sequence the victim's DNA. On a whim, Miss Davis, a wellness coach who lives in Dubai, do- donated the remaining $3 million, $3.8 million needed. She didn't stop there. Over the last year, Miss Davis has given more than $100,000 to Othram as if it were a charity rather than a venture-backed startup, primarily for cold cases in Mississippi, her birth state. A friend told me... Okay, I should- okay, 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 okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So this is like Uber for unsolved crimes. Uh-huh, but like only rich people can really participate in it. Like, I guess because... Do you think, do you think, because I'm curious about this. <laughs> have you noticed, like when I was growing up, nobody ever really talked about what they were. Like, you know, at least where I'm from. Like, you were just like white trash, you know. But now people are like, oh, I'm Irish, I'm this, I'm that. I'm right, like, right, right, right. Very much discussion about what you are. Do you think that the rise in like 23 and me and that kind of stuff is just like a huge like sort of... um I don't know, like DNA banking project to for like, <laughs> you know what I mean? To to get us all on the record and keep us under their thumb. Like in 1, the kind of the same way that like <laughs> in kind of the same way that like what Mark Zuckerberg and all these people knew is that data had some sort of like value. And so like they stole our data out from under us before we realized it had any value. Kind of like a, a digital version of the broad form deed almost. <laughs> Like that. Like this shit gives me pause though, because this is, this is a different level, (laughs) especially when you find out that like you could trace all the 23 and me shit back to like Saudi and Israeli backers, you know? And that is a good comparison, by the way, the digital version of the broad form deed. For those of you who don't know what that is, um, go read the Kentucky constitution, which I know you are all 
dying to well versed get well versed in miss <laughs> davis is part of a growing cohort of amateur dna detectives their hobby born of widespread consumer genetic testing paired with an unquenchable desire for true con- crime content <laughs> well i just listened to a murder <laughs> podcast oh my god <laughs> <laughs> they crave the content man what is food Holy shit. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't handle that. Why just listen to a murder podcast when you can help police comb through genealogical databases for the second cousins of cousins of suspected killers and their unidentified victims? You're right. Why just listen to a murder podcast when you can be helping police when you can make your own in real time? <laughs> <laughs> So far, donors around the country have given at least a million dollars to the cause. Keep, keep that in mind. If you're tempted to find out whether you're like uh, Norwegian or Irish or whatever the fuck you you think you might be, you probably don't want to do that if you plan on like if you have the capacity to commit a violent crime, maybe just like don't give a shit about what your ancestry is. <laughs> you're right. Um, so far, donors around the country have given at least a million dollars to the cause. They could usher in a world where few crimes go unsolved, but only if society is willing to accept and fund DNA dragnets. Wow. Oh. DNA dragnets, you say. The funny thing to <laughs> the funny thing to me about this <clears throat> is like this started because these like, you know, rich, bored wellness coaches in you know dc suburbs in dubai like wanted to like we're listening to too much content they they kind of got the same brain poisoning that my boy fong got they got too much content they overdose they od'd on content and like they now they want to like solve murder mysteries from like 20 30 years ago so like i could see a scenario in which, like, the bored heiress of, like, a, you know, a large regional manufacturing scion in, like, the Midwest or something like that winds up funding the investigation of an unsolved murder from, like, the 90s when, like, a seven-year-old boy was, like, snatched off the streets of some rural town in Ohio or something like that. And like it turns out that like the reason why the kid was snatched in the first place was some like fucked up like Epstein or like Franklin, um, you know, uh, like, you know, sex ring thing. You know what I mean? Where they like yeah. steal kids off the streets. stuff. Because I mean, like there's like that Johnny Gosh case, you know what I mean? From like Nebraska, I think it's I'm from not Nebraska. Sh- what's the Johnny Gosh case? I mean, that's kind of like a similar thing. Like, there's all these theories about like what happened to that guy. Guy, he's a kid. Um, a paper boy in West Des Moines, Iowa, who disappeared without a trace between six and seven a.m. on September fifth, nineteen eighty-two. He's presumed to have been kidnapped. As of two thousand twenty-two, there have been no arrests made, and the case is now considered cold but remains open. Like, I kind of feel like, okay, so there's obviously a lot of like quote-unquote conspiracy theories around here but part of the reason why is because his mother 
Noreen Gosh said that Johnny escaped from his cap- captors and visited her with an unidentified man in 1997. She said that what her son. The fuck? She said that her son told her that he had been victim of a pedophile organization and had been cast aside when he was too old, but subsequently feared for his life and lived under an assumed identity, feeling it was not safe to return home. Now, somebody could have been like fucking with her, which would have been absolutely fucked up. You know, this extremely traumatized woman. Um, she could also have been so traumatized that like. I don't know. Maybe you could like imagine something like this happening. I don't really want to count into that. Like, I feel like that happened to my, that a similar thing happened to my family. Once my mom's brother had like a long lost son that really. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know, it wasn't clear to me if the son ended up being not legit or if the actual legit son was just a con man and like trying to, get money oh. which for my family would have been tantamount to <laughs> drawing blood out of a turnip <laughs> uh, <laughs> a bunch of broke motherfuckers but um <clears throat> yeah it was kind of weird it's like you know he was like telling all my aunts like oh i love you and all this kind of stuff like with that like minutes of not and it's like nobody ever knew it you know what i mean yeah yeah but it was some kind of scammy thing because he kept like coming back asking for money and stuff. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you're barking up the wrong tree, like literally. If you're going to run that scam, try to run it on like Bezos or something like, yo, run man, it on somebody with the last name like Roosevelt or Alshenklaus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like there's a lot of these unsolved murders. The only reason I thought that was because there's that unsolved murder from Somerset. Um, of that girl in like the night or like abduction murder. What was it? We talked about it with the Dimitri and Colin a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember though. But anyways, you know what I mean. Like, there's these unsolved murders that you could easily see, like the like the family members of people responsible for those disappearances could be like they have they find out a horrifying truth oh my god father is it true did you really abduct that young man off the streets he's like i did what i had to do for this family you don't understand (laughs) we had to have mass rituals Creepy old dudes always do what they have to do for their family, even if their family would have been totally fine without that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, It's not quite minority report. It's hard to commit a crime or do anything without leaving some DNA behind. While crime scenes may include incriminating genetic evidence from perfectly innocent people, probative DNA material that is clearly relevant to an investigation, such as a bloodstain can be a powerful clue but only if investigators can match it to the right person. The case of the Golden State Killer who committed 13 murders and dozens of rapes in California went unsolved for decades. And so the FBI decided in 2018 to use DNA evidence from a sexual assault to build out the perpetrator's likely family tree. The resulting identification and prosecution of a 72-year-old police officer, former police officer pr- proved the value of what's called forensic genetic gene- genealogy. It's like you don't need to fucking do DNA tests on or DNA dragnets to catch serial killers. Just put all cops in jail. If you put all cops in jail, like serial killing, a so- lot of those cold <laughs> cases would just by by default get solved. 
uh-huh. or you know, or at least uh, the the rightful killer would have been apprehended. Right, right. What made the investigation possible was GED Match, a low fills, low frills online gathering place for people to upload DNA test results from popular direct consumer services such as Ancestry or 23andMe in hopes of connecting with unknown relatives. The authorities decision to mine the genealogical enthusiast data for investigative leads was shocking at the time and led the site to warn users. Okay. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. This is crazy. Did you know this? No, this is crazy. The authorities decision to mine the genealogical enthusiast data for investigative leads was shocking at the time and led the site to warn users. But the practice has continued and has since been used in hundreds of cases. Holy so fuck. They are, I wasn't jesting. They Holy, are using all that kind are, of 23 and me type data. Holy fucking shit, dude. They just did, don't give a fuck. <laughs> did I ever tell you about the guy that called uh, Weisberg Police Department one day and had confessed to killing somebody and like told the cops where the guy's remains were? No. And this case had been cold for decades. Like Nobody was like... <laughs> The guy was probably like, you know, living his life somewhere every day and eating at him that he had done this horrible thing. And back in Whitesburg, meanwhile, back in Whitesburg, a bunch of cops just sitting around fucking <laughs> flirting with underage girls and eating McDonald's and shit all day. Just like uh, he's just thinking like, God, no, they're going to catch me. I have to come. I have to confess to this. <laughs> he just he just cold calls Whitesburg police says I killed somebody in 1982. And here's where the remains were. <laughs> Chief of police asked me, my brother turns to me and goes, Well, that was an interesting call. (laughs) Literally, second away. Nobody even knows who this guy is that got killed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. They just could could not live with any amount of uncertainty out there on the land. Just like, this is going to catch up to me one day. Little does he know. (laughs) Nobody gives a fuck. Dude, this is so fucked up. It is so fucked up that like they can just have your your genetic data and just like, no, nah, it's ours. No, it's ours now. Like you can get fucked. You gave it to us, right? I'm, I mean, I've never done anything like that. Um, But like, I'm sure I have family members who have and my family members have my DNA. <laughs> so it's like right. <laughs> a lot of it anyways. So, I mean. <clears throat> um Jesus Christ dude it is just i mean it is continually so mind blowing how i mean really if you really want to get into like was 911 like a false flag or not like it really is incredible how much like we just don't have quote unquote rights anymore and okay like we never had them to begin with i i realized that we had them on paper but they're never really enforced but I think there was like probably like a two or three decade, like, you know, like during like a war in court and stuff when they were like passing stuff about like Miranda rights, like and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like there was kind of a push for and more free speech rights and stuff like that. It seemed like there was a push during those years. But uh, really, <clears throat> since 9-11, I feel like it's just been a gradual just be like, nah. Ah, you can just watch me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yeah. 
Yeah, we're like, yeah, it's like, it's funny. It's like the proliferation of all this stuff. And then like the addition of like the Alexas and all that kind of stuff where you're just like bugging your house for them, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is, it is weird. 9-11 just created the pretense to manage society in this like much feared big brother kind of way. But it's become it's just this gradually become so normalized that we don't view it as like something out of like Brave New World anymore. Right. 1984, wh- whichever one of those deals with such a scenario. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Never read either of them. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, because many local agencies lack the resources to participate. Like, what's I feel like you always see these like stats going around about how, like, the NYPD has like a, a larger budget than like, like the Italian military or stuff like you know what I mean, like stuff like that. Like, they have the resources to investigate murders. I mean, like, if any if police should be doing anything. It's it like probably the only thing they should be doing really is investigating murders. I mean, not yeah. obviously using DNA people's DNA without their consent to do that, but like they've got the fucking resources. Like you, you're just giving them money. It's like that money is gonna like just man. It's gonna materialize as an MRAP at a fucking BLM, you know, at a Pride rally. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that like that's what the fuck are you doing giving them money to solve true crime? oh god (laughs) so bad a group of well-off friends calling (laughs) some holy fuck this is incredible look at this look at this a group of well-off friends calling themselves the vegas justice league has given author forty-five thousand dollars, resulting in the solving of three murder rape cases in las vegas what the fuck is the Vegas Justice League? Dude. Very fucking strange. Welcome to the Vegas Justice League. What the fuck? I, can you imagine having all that disposable income and the thing you want to do is give it to cops? <laughs> That's really something. <clears throat> Yeah, the Vegas Justice League is comprised of local volunteers who make contributions to help solve cold cases in Las Vegas. I mean, like, you know, I uh, obviously, like, it's helpful. It's good for the families if, like, a cold case is solved and you, like, finally are able to get some closure to this fucked up thing that happened to you a long time ago. But I just don't um, believe that giving the police more money is going to like because like okay the police are already like hey they already have the money and resources to do all this shit obviously the fact that they're not means that they're going after shit like people jumping turnstiles they're not like you know what i'm saying it's like yeah it's like the 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 one thing the cops don't need is more money right right usually anywhere right like the cops probably, when you gave them that money, they probably went to the file cabinets and flipped through a couple of files. It was like, oh, nobody uh, give a fuck about this. We'll call this solved. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, yeah, uh, Greg Harris, he committed this crime. God damn it, Greg. You're going to 1959. <laughs> God damn it, Greg. 
Sadly, he's dead now, but <laughs> so you'll never see his day in court. But we solved it. Uh, and thanks for the money. You know what I mean? It's we, like <laughs> we solved it through the support of listeners like you. <laughs> we want to help the police in the community just knock these out, said Justin Wu, an online marketer who founded the Las Vegas group. It's not quite minority report where you're predicting and stopping. But if you get these people off the streets through the DNA stuff, it's really helpful. okay, that, that's a minority report. That's literally minority off the streets through the DNA stuff. Bro, there may not be a more racist uh, turn of phrase than off the streets. Dude, you're right. <laughs> there is nothing there. You can't. There's nothing more racist than say getting somebody off the streets. You're right, because like it literally is like the implication is that like it's a group of people like a community like we have to clean the community right like the of those people right oh my god in the publicized cases in las vegas the perpetrators were dead (laughs) you're right uh you called that one too mr Wu said people had contacted him to ask if they could donate money to prioritize the case of a loved one I don't have that ability, he said, but I can pass this along to Las Vegas Metropolitan Police and they can decide. I used to live in Las Vegas. And let me tell you about Las Vegas Metropolitan Police. Um, Not the brightest bunch you'll ever come across. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Natalie Ram, a law professor at University of Maryland, expressed concern about the public picking and choosing between cases, saying investigative priorities could be determined by who can donate the most. Miss Ram, dude, that's... <laughs> Let me paint you a little dystopian picture. And I, I hate to do this because that's all... It seems to me that's all we can imagine anymore is just like bleak, dark futures. But this uh-huh. one's kind of funny. Just follow me. <laughs> it's like The Voice, right? Uh-huh. But instead yes. of Blake Shelton and um, <laughs> Gwen Stefani and uh, I think Pharrell and the guy from Room 5 are on there too. Uh-huh. Maybe CeeLo Green. I don't know. Maybe I'm blending all these different shows now. But it's going to be the voice, except it's going to be called the crime. And instead of getting up there and singing, it's going to be like a, a uh, police lineup. Uh-huh. And they're going to like pull their DNA. And like the main guy, like the Blake Shelton character is going to be like New York Mayor Eric Adams. And the rest will be like celebrity cops, like that one crazy bastard in Milwaukee, Joe Arpaio. Is Joe Arpaio yeah, dead? I was, was going to say Sheriff Joe will be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sheriff Joe, like all these famous cops will be up there and they will like crack the case in real time with like 23 and me results. But like you'll see it in like little like little charts, you know, like on American Idol. America used to call in who they wanted to vote for. Uh-huh. That'll be what happens. They're going to call in who committed the crime, and then they're going to weigh that against 23 and me <laughs> and see if America was right or the DNA was right. Uh-huh. Yep. You are correct. <laughs> and it'll be on, uh, uh, it'll be, it'll come on after, uh, whatever 30 minute ABC family sitcom, uh, modern fa- <laughs> will replace modern family. They'll have the Golden State Killer on there, too, because he was a former cop. It's like how in Catch Me If You Can, like Leonardo DiCaprio, they like he like commits all these scams, but they like bring him out of prison so he can help the police catch other scammers. Yeah, one one panelist, one panelist would be a former (laughs) 
uh yeah it'll be like a reformed person that like is now like for the police or something right that is the crazy thing to me it's like or i mean like uh yeah yeah i don't know just like there are so many serial killers in like your average american police department just like cops who just like waste five or six or seven or eight or 20 people in the course of their careers and just nothing happens. It was just like, like it's like that thing um, a few days ago. You remember back in 2020 during the George Floyd protests in Buffalo, that like 70 year old man was just like walking and these two police officers just fucking shoved him to the ground. And then like, you know, it was completely horrific. Absolutely. Oh, disgusting. like the old man in the Buffalo. So that uh, Buffalo yeah. Uh, cops. Yeah. Over. Yeah. And like just earlier this week, they like released their like conclusions of their report. Who the fuck even knows? No wrongdoing. Yeah. 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 Like we, it like, was we all watched it happen. <laughs> yeah. They said it was justified. They, it's 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 funny because I'll tell you this. I had uh, I was t- talking to my, my mom's nurse a few nights ago in the hospital and we were talking about the Vanderbilt nurse and whatever. And she was telling me her take on it and how like, you know, uh, um, she's now like, you know, like going to go to jail for manslaughter or whatever. And she made a very good point after that. She was like, so nurses can make medical mistakes and go to jail but cops like kill people all the time and nothing. They don't even get like, like if, if, if your logic is that nurses should go to jail for medical mistakes, every cop that kills somebody should at least pull two years for manslaughter by that logic. Absolutely. But it's funny how nothing happens to them. Like nothing no. at all happens. To them. No, completely. If you kill somebody with no malice, like unintentionally, that's called manslaughter and it's a crime and you'll go to jail, but not cops. No, which is interesting. I'm trying to think of other uh, famous cops. There was Frank Serpico. (laughs) (laughs) Most famously (laughs) portrayed by. They could have Frank or it's just Al Pacino (laughs) as Frank Serpico. (laughs) Let's see the results. I don't know. Yeah, what... no, it's yeah, it's Eric Adams and no, like all not none of the famous cops, but it's like the actor that portrayed the famous cop as in the character of the famous cop. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy. Okay. Well, then in that case, you could have like Dennis Farina, um, from Miami Vice, Eric Estrada. <laughs> Eric <so> Estrada. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Chips. Eric Estrada rolls up to his chair in a in a motorcycle. Uh, oh man, oh, that would be so good. <clears throat> Natalie Ram. Okay, we we talked about that. And this Ram said the largest share of cases solved so far with the method tend to involve white female victims. An existing bias toward prioritizing white victims which has been documented in media coverage, could be compounded by the demographic makeup of the genealogy databases. Their composition skews heavily white, according to a law enforcement, a law, a recent law review article. Fascinating. So like only white people are submitting their DNA to these sites. That's what it looks like. 
Imagine that. We're not only, but the, the, the vast majority of them. That is pretty funny. Just like, just like white people, like, who the fuck am I? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Like, do you really need to know that much that your father came or your great, 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 great grandfather came from a goddamn fishing village in Denmark? Come on. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Um, their composition skews heavily white. Uh, uh, according to a recent law review article, which contrasted these databases to state collections of DNA, such as the FBI's CODIS which over-represent black people, no surprise there, who are more likely to be arrested and have their DNA taken. Um, Ms. Ram is also concerned about the constitutional privacy issues raised by the searches, particularly for those people who haven't taken DNA tests or uploaded the results. Okay, okay, hold on a sec. So what you're basically lobbying for <laughs> is you're making some sick little fucking, like, squid game-esque sort of thing out of like dna to solve all these uns like these unsolved crimes because you are a, a, a adult child addicted to true crime and <laughs> and and now you're, you're concerned about that now or is she saying that like everybody should have to submit their dna to play her sick little game well so that person was a law professor at University of Maryland. She was kind of like in these stories, you have to have like a voice of like reason or opposition or whatever, you know, someone saying like, we probably shouldn't be doing this. Not only is it unconstitutional, but like it could be really bad for uh, communities of color and, and et cetera. Um, but uh yes, it does seem that what you said is somewhat true for the person this article for the person that this article started out profiling, the wellness coach, <clears throat> who is basically like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about the consequences of this. Like, I just want my true crimes solved. <laughs> I want my true crime solved, please. Like, people don't watch their stories anymore. Like, they listen to the true crime podcast, and if they have millions of dollars, <clears throat> then they give that money to cops who can solve it for them. And so then it really is like a kind of like dopamine rush too for them. You know, it's like, I mean, as it says here, even if you resolve never to put your DNA on a site accessible to law enforcement authorities, you share DNA with many other people. So could still be discoverable. All it takes is your sibling aunt or even a distant cousin deciding differently. So, you know what I mean? Like, um, the, uh, as donations pour in for these searches, the fortunes of the services that make them possible are also on the rise. The two main consumer databases used for law enforcement searches, Family Tree DNA and GED Match, have both recently been acquired by larger companies. While the DNA testing behemoths Ancestry and 23andMe, which have largely resisted police access to their databases, have valued largely resisted, largely. but not completely. <laughs> Give us a break. Yeah, we've done we've tried. We've largely done it, um, have valuations in the billions of dollars. Even a former FBI lawyer who worked on the Golden State Killer case is getting in on the action. Steve Kramer, who said he helped the FBI establish three forensic genetic genealogy units across the country, left the agency in November to help found a company seeking to automate genealogical research. I don't consider genetic genealogy for just cold cases. We've solved active homicides within weeks, he said, who has already come up with a catchphrase. We want to take the word serial out of serial killer. 
All right. Well, good one. Good one, I mean, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good luck. You know what's what'll happen is like all these fucking true crime freaks. Well, like, they'll get to like the end of the the end of the Internet, so to speak, where it's like now there's no more serial killers that exist or anything. And then they'll become the serial killers because <laughs> like basically like doing the Johnny Mullins thing with the weather. Yeah, basically. But no weather will happen for you. Make your own weather. Make your own weather. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. The philanthropy is also being fueled by true crime, an entertainment genre that has come to dominate podcast charts. Audio Chuck, an Indiana company with a slate of popular true crime shows, has donated approximately $800,000 to organizations doing investigative genealogical research, research, including Authram. But the majority has gone to a nonprofit started by Ashley Flowers, host of the network's Crime Junkie podcast. What keeps me sane is knowing we're doing something to make it better, she said, whose show largely consists of discussing murders in detail. <laughs> the, 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 the nonprofit called Season of Justice, has raised another $250,000, some through crowdfunding, and so far has made grants toward 53 unsolved murders. Just writing a grant for a fucking... <laughs> to Crime Junkies, Inc. for a fucking... <clears throat> like, the, like, some kid is going to get hired out of college by their municipal, like, city council to, like, write a grant so the local police department can get a... a t- <laughs> <laughs> like a quarter million dollar like DNA testing kit and the money will you know what I mean like <clears throat> I don't know Jesus Christ oh this is, this is no good uh, no good blah 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 donate your money or your DNA um, Mr. Middleman Othram CEO said his company had received more than $400,000 from philanthropic philanthropic donors. According to crunch, how much $400,000. I thought you said 400 million for a second. I was like, that would be out of hand. Unbelievable. (laughs) According to crunch base, the startup has also raised $28.5 million from institutional investors to corner the market around this new investigative technique. Founded in the new, in the Woodlands, Texas, in 2018, the company now has 30 employees," said Mr. Middleman, including five full-time genealogical researchers, and will soon move to a new building with a lab four times the size of its current one. Their pitch is simple: government labs lack the expensive equipment needed to process DNA database, cigarette butts, bloodstained fabric, bone, which may be decades old. Oh. Okay. Well, anyways, you get the idea. Pretty fucking crazy, though. Oh, man. Pretty crazy. A startup that basically crowdfunds DNA to solve crimes is just the it's that's the worst. I'm going to throw a nonprofit term at you. That's the worst nexus I've ever heard of. <laughs> that's a good one. Imagine working at a nonprofit like Crime Junkies. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's constantly wandering the halls of their make work job looking for more true crime content just like yeah man what you got oh man uh, i'm trying to find um 
where is Jean? Miss Davis works from a guest bedroom and she has converted into his or her office. Um, GED match told her how many centimorgans, a measure of genetic linkage, each of the relatives shared with the victim. Uh, the DNA unfolds and tells a specific story and you have to just follow the story and see where it leads. She said, it's not usually a story that unfolds easily. People on GED match typically list anonymous email addresses. It's one thing to put your DNA publicly on the internet to another to explicitly say it's yours. Miss Davis tries not to contact matches directly. Um, I don't know. Pretty crazy, well, man. I saw the science behind this is a little off and me and my friend Pete were talking and he's, he's a biologist and, and all this stuff we were talking and, and he says that um, it's basically very difficult to sequence a genome past one or two generations. So like if you do these genetic testing sites, thinking it's going to reveal something about like your great, 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 whatever. Uh-huh. It's like, it's not what it's going to do for you. Not with any sort of accuracy anyway. Is it is it basically just conjecture um, based off of like I is like, it like people look with at similar your, DNA in different places. Yeah. Right. So like it looks at your genetic profile and looks basically looks for like patterns and then probably uses an algorithm to kind of make a conjecture of what your ancestors would have been probably like a thousand years ago or something, you know, I, I yeah. guess. Yeah, that sounds about that sounds about right. So it's like it's like I would not use this as any sort of meaningful tool to solve a crime if it can't also just tell me that like I'm Scottish, like with any sort of like real accuracy or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, it definitely feels though that like in their minds it's full fail proof. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In in their minds, it's like the end all be all. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's the infallibility of science, man. Yeah. We're just following the science. Yeah. It's a weird mentality, though. Like, I get it. Like, if you're a, um, again, like if you're a family member that's like looking for some closure to a situation, like you had a relative that was the victim of a crime or whatever. Like, I, I get people like those, but just these weird sort of influencers with all this money or Instagram, whatever people with all this money that just want to create true crime content in real time. Yeah. It's really fucking bleak. In my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we said earlier, like giving the police money to do that. <clears throat> like a, they've already got the money and they're not doing it. So, right. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> you send your money and yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's so funny that dumb bastard was like, They've already solved three cases, and it's like all of them were dead. <laughs> it's like, oh, imagine that, <laughs> right? Oh, man. yeah, but but and also though, like, I don't know. It's, I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just an unfortunate thing. I mean, it's a, uh, but it's the the crazy thing about it is it's driven by content. Everything is content. That everything's content now. So it's yeah. like. That's the only way to see any actual material change in the world. Like you just need to make more content and someone somewhere will listen to your content and just be like, this is excellent content. I would love more content like this. And they'll, uh, you know, they'll maybe they'll pay their police department. Maybe they'll pay their fire department. 
Maybe they'll pay their library. That'll be the, like the new patronage, like the new sort of like neo feudal network. It's like people now fund like the arts and like libraries because they like content. That's basically it. It's all content. Yeah. Content driven economy, really. Yeah. I mean, that's what NFTs are. NFTs are a way to monetize content. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, well, that's it. <laughs> Support the Patreon. <laughs> Support our content. Support our, if you're going to support any content, support our damn content. Our content's pretty good, honestly. Like, of all the stuff out there, and like, we're not funding police departments and never put anybody in jail, which is unfortunate because Amy McGrath should have went there. <laughs> but for your generous donation of five dollars a month, we'll keep trying to jail Amy McGrath. <laughs> we will make sure she sees justice one day. She'll see her justice for her role in 9 11. <laughs> okay, please go listen to that. That's P A T R E O N.com. I'm miserable. Allergies. I can't even think straight. I, I feel it's so. Bad. This is the unfortunate part of the year where you get to play the game. Is it is it ragweed season or is it COVID? In my case, it's is it ragweed season or have I finally reached that threshold of cognitive deterioration where I can't string together <laughs> thoughts anymore? And- I, hate, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. There's like I noticed during allergy season, there's a lot of like pauses on the show, and it's just because I can't put a noun and an adjective together anymore. For yeah, about three months. <laughs> uh huh. It sucks. All right. Well, um, go to Patreon. Uh, thanks for listening this week, everybody. Uh, you've got more content waiting for you on Sunday and next week too. So um, don't never lose faith in the content. It'll always be. Don't there. delay. Sign up today. That's right. You heard him. All right. Well, until next time, we will talk to you later. Goodbye.